So I was talking about um, fear and being afraid. Anyone afraid at all? Ever get fearful? Now I'm going to go way back as a kid. How many were afraid of monsters? Huh? Yes. I shared this morning that my brother and I got to go to the cinema theater way back when I was about 10, 11. Uh, they had a midnight uh, movie on Halloween night. wasn't saved, so hey, I wasn't caring about Halloween. It was fun. And so we went to this midnight movie of Count Yorga the Vampire. Has anyone ever seen that one? Yes, and see his hair's white. That's how scared he got. <laughs> All right, I'm not lying. And so we went to this movie, and, and the gist of the movie, of course, was about vampires and whatnot. But there was one scene that, I, that has locked into my brain now, and probably when I'm in the nursing home, I'll be talking about Count Yorga. They won't know what I'm talking about. But it was a scene where they went down this long, windy driveway to this big castle, and of course, they had supper with Count Yorga. They didn't know he was a vampire, and so they, you know, he wined and dined them, and they had a great time. <clears throat> and as they're leaving, they're going back down this windy road, but they get to a spot, and all of a sudden, there's a, a mud puddle that they get stuck in. Like I said this morning, dun, dun, dun. It wasn't there when they drove in, and now there's this mud puddle. Do you think there's something to be happening here? And so they pull in there and they get in there stuck and they're going back and forth with their VW boat and they can't get out. But they don't care because they've slept in their van before. They got curtains and everything. So they said, we'll just stay here all night, you know, and then in the morning we'll kind of get ourselves out. We'll find some help. No problem, right? You just happen to be in the driveway of a vampire. Okay, so they're sitting there and through the night the frogs get louder and louder and louder. And they finally open the curtains and there's Count Yorga right right there and I scream they scream everyone screams it's one of the scariest spots in that movie I'm not promoting scary movies but I'm promoting that I got scared and so when we talk about the dark ever since then when I had those kind of episodes or I find myself in the dark I get scared how many of you have laid in bed and you swear you can hear someone walking up the stairs from the basement you know every step because you've ran up and down them yourself there it is. He's on the third step pretty soon. He's on the seventh step. And you just know that he's going to come up out of the basement, come all the way around the kitchen, through the hallway, not go to mom and dad's room, but come right to my room and not look at my brother, look over at me. And so I got the covers up, you know, and then you put them over your head and then you can't breathe and it's so hot, but you don't care. Well, that's how I get. And so when I saw that Count Yorga thing, it kind of took me back. It, it held me in my captive mind for many years. So years later, I was sharing that I worked on an oil field, and they tear down rigs to move them to another place. It's just like the carnival. You lower the derrick down, you load up the trucks, you move to another spot, put the derrick back up, and drill a hole. Well, in that process of tearing it down and moving it over, there's sometimes there's a day or two in between, and so they have what they call rig watch. And so you usually volunteer because it's easy work. You get to just go hang out through the night and just kind of be the security guard on duty. And so you make good money. You get to go home while everyone else comes back to work in the morning. I finally got to do it. Middle of nowhere, Texas. And so we're down there and I, I have my own spot and I, I bring my, my uh, I borrowed my cousin's van. All right. <laughs> So I'm way back in the middle of nowhere. The trees, you know, are alert chance, you kind of. And I'm there, and I'm enjoying myself because it's light out. I'm, I grill. You know, how many of you know I bring food wherever I go usually? So I have this food, and I'm grilling. In fact, we just got a towel. What did that towel say? Something about butter. You can never have too much butter. Yeah, someone gave us a towel for our housewarming that said that. Can you imagine? 
And so I'm cooking brats and whatnot, and so I'm, I'm just enjoying it. I've got the radio on and different things like that, and I'm loving it. I mean, I'm making good money. Back then, it was like, say, 15 bucks an hour, and that was big in the early 80s. And then it started getting dark. No big deal. I got the doors of the van open. I'm sitting in there listening to music, just laying on a sleeping bag, making good money. And then I started to think about Count Yorga. <laughs> and it all came rushing back like it was yesterday. So now I'm out here in the hot 100 degrees night in Texas, in the middle of nowhere, and I'm watching this rig that has thousands of dollars worth of tool, thousands of dollars of gasoline, diesel, and all these different things that people are known to come and, and steal when, when the rigs are down. So here I am, Mr. Security Guard, you know, who knows who's gonna come over that hill, or it could it be Count Yorga? So now I'm getting nervous. So now I shut the van doors. It's 100 degrees out. I shut the van doors and I pull all the curtains and it's just like Count Yorga. And so I'm sitting there and I'm sweating and it's like I'm in a tin can. It's like I'm in an oven and I don't care because I can't let the monsters in. Isn't that crazy how that carried through that many years? A lot of us can say something scared me when I was young and I'm still scared today. I'm scared of the dark. How many are scared of the dark sometimes? Sometimes it's because you know what's out there. Sometimes it's because you don't know what's out there. So the question is, is, are you afraid of the dark or is the dark afraid of you? That's what we want to talk about. And so the definition of dark, we just got to share this. It says to being without light. Duh, I learned that in school. Being without light or without much light. And so I had my little flashlight that night and um, up against the darkness. It felt like I was nothing compared to all the darkness. Now, the Greek word is skodos, which means darkness. Now, it can either mean this. It can either mean physical or moral darkness. So in other words, darkness can be the physical darkness. The sun has set and now it's dark. Or it can be morally dark. And the Bible speaks often about sin as darkness or we live in darkness or the, you know, the king of darkness. All these different things is talking about evil. It's talking about those things that reside in the dark. And so by the time I got done with that night, I think I had lost a few pounds. And actually, I was skinny back then, believe it or not. Size 28 waist. I, I gained, <laughs> yeah, it's 28 about right here now. <laughs> But it's interesting how things scare you. And so many years later, we're in Rapid City and I'm watching this water tank for a subdivision. And the tank is right behind our house, but you have to walk about a quarter mile to hit the, the breaker to shut off the pump. And so I would have to watch the water tank. When the water began to pour over the top, you knew the tank was full. I had to walk down and shut it off. And you just did that time and time again for a couple hundred bucks, whatever it was, I got paid. The problem was, is one night it was very dark and it was kind of raining and stuff. And so I headed down to to go shut this off, and I had my flashlight, things were good, but I began to think about all the things that could be out there. I mean, South Dakota has rattlesnakes. Maybe there's some nighttime nocturnal rattlesnakes hunting something down there. Maybe someone broke out from a prison 300 miles away and they decided to camp right by that pole where my breaker is. <laughs> you know, maybe they know someone sooner or later will come there and they can rob me. Maybe it was a wild, rabid coyote that can't handle life and he's just like looking for something to devour. And so as I walked closer and closer to that and farther and farther from my safety of my home, I could see the lights of home. I got so scared. I tell you what, by the time I got there, I hit that switch and I ran. I ran. And now what I want to share with you is oftentimes we can develop a spirit of fear in us. 
that we begin to look at everything in such a negative way, always expecting the worst, always expecting a tragedy, that we're almost fearful to make any great decision. I shared this morning, uh, if you've ever bought a home, you're excited to buy that home until you sign 82 sheets of paper, and then they say for the next 30 years, you'll pay this much per month. You think, 30 years, I'll never live that long. We wouldn't have to pay it off then, would we? You do those kind of things where you get married or whatever it is, some big thing, and you, you're excited, but all of a sudden you begin to panic. We begin to worry, and that fear can become to be a big hassle. Now, fear in itself isn't necessarily so bad. There's some good fears. We're going to talk about that too, but the definition of fear is an unpleasant, often strong emotion. How many of you know that fear can be awful strong? I mean, Count Yorga, come on caused by an expectation or an awareness of danger. In other words, we can see something that's dangerous. I get it. I'm, I'm afraid. I, you know, I'm going to bungee jump for the first time, and I can see that one of the cords is just, you know, almost frayed through. I see that. I'm scared. Danger. I see it. But how about the expectation of fear? The expectation that something is going to be fearful. That's where we really get hung up. The expectation. I always think something's going to be wrong. Something's going to be bad. Something's going to be bad. So you can be aware of fear. That's great. But it's that time when we have the expectation. Now, if I see it, I can be scared. I get it. I can see it. I'm fearful. But it's when we don't see it and we're still fearful. We anticipate it's got to happen. There's got to be 50 rattlesnakes just waiting to get me when I get down there. I've never seen any there, but I'm anticipating they could be there. And so I'm full of fear. How many of us have lived our day or night full of fear about something that would never happen? Yet it overtakes us because it's such a strong emotion. Before long, we're not in charge. God's not in charge of us. We're in fear, and guess who owns fear? Fear is in the darkness, and fear is Satan. Michael Pritchard, I used to do a therapy, and we had a video that we showed about self-esteem, but he said this. He said, fear is that little dark room where negatives are developed. And there's truth to that. When we're caught up in fear, we develop all kinds of things, don't we? I mean, I'm thinking a vampire maybe, you know, after 20, 30 years, he's got to be getting old sooner or later. And I think he's going to get me when I'm in my van out in Texas somewhere. I tell you what, it can overtake us and fear can overtake us in our own personal lives. We're supposed to walk with God and have strength of God and the courage that comes with God and the strength that comes with God and the Holy Spirit with us. Yet we walk each and every day sometimes full of fear. Sometimes I'm making the wrong mistakes, and that's good. That's a good fear. That's a motivating fear, but sometimes just fear of life itself. We wonder if we're going to make the right choices, or we wonder if this is going to happen, or that's going to happen. Just, you know, there's always trouble. There's always trouble that takes place. You might know someone like that, or you might be that way yourself. That We want to call it, let's call it being negative, or that kind of negative person, but oftentimes it's fear-driven. Fear is a very powerful thing. And what we find is that fear resides in darkness more than light. Now, Chuck Swindoll, he had a sermon called David and the Dwarf. I like that because it's usually David and the Giant. But he was saying that how fear and those sort of things can really limit who we are. And we need to not be caught up in fear because we can shrink those giants of fear, those giants of darkness, down to a small size that we can manage with God. He said, fear takes one giant and turns it into a whole population. You ever have that, that mountain out of a molehill kind of thing? Well, this might happen. Gosh, if that happened, well, then that's going to make this happen. If that happens, oh my gosh, now there's a third thing that's going to happen. There's nothing's going to work. You ever been there? Ever been there? Norman Wright wrote this in a book called Freedom from the Grip of Fear. He wrote this in 1989. He said, 
Fear of life is actually more debilitating than the fear of death. What he meant by that is, I'm guessing, you know, as a Christian, we prayfully know we're going to heaven, that we're going to have everlasting life. So we don't fear the afterlife. We don't fear, but we kind of fear the way we're going to die. I didn't want to, you know, have Count Yorga out there in Texas in the van. I was, I was kind of afraid of that way to go. But he's saying it's more debilitating sometimes the fear of life. In other words, just living life. Afraid this isn't going to work, or that relationship's going to crash, or my job's going to fail. Sure, I got a great job right now, but it's probably going to end in a year. All those fears that drive us just in our daily life, we forget about death, and we're so focused on life itself sometimes. We're caught up in that fear, and fear, again, is darkness. Fear is where that negativity develops in the dark. Now, we've got to be aware that there's, you know, two words that, that talk about the spiritual life. And there's, a, you know, the, the idea of darkness, again, the physical darkness, there's no light, or the uh, spiritual darkness that we're talking about. And that's kind of where we're, we're getting to, believe it or not, we are. That the battle is not between flesh and blood. Now, I'm going to read you from Ephesians 6.12. We're doing it the old-fashioned way. You guys just got to listen or look it up yourselves. Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. That makes the Count Yorga movie sound pretty lame, doesn't it? Let me read that again. I'm almost... The principalities against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. And then it tells us to take up the armor of God. In other words, there's a spiritual battle taking place in the darkness that we can't even see. I mean, if I'm here, you know, you can see me. I'm going to punch you. You can see. you got the fight coming. You can see there's a fight. There's a physical fight. You'd win, I know, but there's a physical fight. But this is something you can't see. There's a battle taking place for every one of us that we can't see. Almost sounds like a movie, but it's not. It's true that there are principalities, there are spirits that are trying to destroy our walk with God, trying to not get us to follow God, but instead to follow the other God, to, to fall, to fall into darkness, to crash and burn, to destroy who we can be in God. And that takes place in the darkness. Now, again, darkness in the Bible oftentimes is synonymous with sin. When we're sinning, we fall ourselves and find ourselves in the darkness. John 3, 19 to 21 says this. And this is the condemnation. Condemnation meaning this is the punishment. This is the outcome of this. That the light has come into the world, meaning Jesus has brought lightness into the world. And men love darkness rather than light because their deeds were evil. For everyone practicing evil hates the light and does not come to the light, lest its deeds should be exposed. But he who does the truth comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen that they have been done in God so if we're with Christ we're saying that we love the light there's nothing to hide per se but if we're going to be people of darkness and people of evil practicing evil the word practicing is important we'll hear that a little later on if we're going to be practicing evil we don't want to be anywhere around Christ we feel uncomfortable around Christ because he's the light light cannot be where evil is or darkness. You get what I mean? In other words, those that maybe are living their life outside in society and they're not living for the king, oftentimes you might invite them to church or whatnot and they almost panic because they know that they know and they're deep down that this is the right thing, that we all need God. We all need Jesus Christ. But because they're choosing to live in darkness, their lifestyle goes against what God says. They would rather stay in the dark. You ever 
Better to stay in the dark. It's just better to stay in the dark. Darkness is where sin resides. So you think about sins that you may be committing, even as Christians, as believers, maybe you've got something you haven't surrendered. You oftentimes don't want it exposed at all, do you? If you have to hide something, if you have to make sure no one sees you doing it, if you have to make sure that you've got to travel 25 miles away to do it, or you've got to drive 100 miles away to get it, it's probably not what you should be doing. Now, I shared this morning, what, what would Jesus do? Remember WWJD? It was a fad for a while. It was everyone had a bracelet. Everyone had a bumper sticker. I mean, it was everywhere. What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? But I tell you what, if we would live our lives saying that Jesus, stands, Jesus, stand right next to me. Whatever I do, I want you to see what I do. How many of us would change something in our lives like that? Really honestly. How many of us would say, whoa, I got to do some cleaning up at the house before you get come on over? I tell you what, if we could walk with Jesus like that, let me tell you a secret. I don't want anyone to hear like we're supposed to. How much cleaner would our lives be? How much brighter would they be? Because if you've ever been walking in sin and you know it's wrong, you know Christ wouldn't approve of it, do you see beautiful sunshine? No way. You see darkness. You lose the love and the joy and that connection with God because light cannot reside where there's darkness. So if I choose to live in darkness, guess what? There's no light. Christ can't be in my presence. I can't be in his because I'm carrying this darkness with me. I'm choosing this at this very moment. Now, it talked about being condemned if you choose to walk in darkness and choose to step away from Christ. And it says there's no condemnation for those of us that are in Christ Jesus. Thank you very much. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for that gift. But he calls us to walk in the light and not in the darkness. He calls us to make choices, sacrifices sometimes, surrendering things you don't want to surrender at all. You just, you've fallen in love with this sin. You just you got to hold on to this sin. I just love this sin. I don't want to hand him over to you, Christ. He brings me comfort and joy. I don't want to give it up. Or I've been in this so long, it's the only security that I have. It gives me security to know I have this sin in my life. But we've got to surrender it. Because Jesus Christ says, I'm the light. Come towards the light. Let's be, let's, let's be like moths. Everyone do this. Come towards the light. Come towards the light. Moths got it figured out. Why don't we? We tend to want to get away from the light when we're caught up in sin because... It brings us condemnation. It brings us feelings of guilt. It steals our joy. The Holy Spirit screams, no, 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 no. And sometimes we do it anyway, or sometimes we heed. Don't go in the darkness. Don't go in the darkness. But sometimes we choose to do it because that's where we like it. The Bible speaks in clearly not to be in that darkness. Now, my dad bought me a dictionary. The thing is like a 1,000 pounds. It's like this thick. I don't know if there's that many words. They duplicate it. Like, you know, it's just like, dust flies out. It's old. (laughs) And so if you look in there at the word darkness, it does talk about lacking morals. Even the secular dictionary from way back in the day talks about lacking morals. 
In other words, God gives us a standard to live by and we choose not to live by it. We're not, we're not in the light anymore, but we say, well, Brian, you know, I talked about like alcohol. There's the argument of can we drink or not? The Bible doesn't say we can't drink. It just says don't be drunk. And so I'm, I'm, as long as I'm not drunk, I'm doing okay. I can have this or have that, or it can be food. It can be all kinds of different things. There's, there's this gray area. Oh, we love to be in the gray area. I'm in the gray area. I'm in the gray area. I got to sit down for a minute. Whoa, no. We've got to be in the gray area. How many of you like to live in the gray area? Wow, there's some freedom there. It doesn't really say I can't, and so if it doesn't really say I can't, it's not really a sin that can be held against me, so I'm going to go ahead and do that because it's in the gray area. If anything's in the gray area, go to the light because you might be wrong. And if you're in the gray area, before long the light gets dimmer and dimmer. Before long you're in the darkness and you still think you're in the gray area. And Satan keeps pulling you in. They say, give you enough rope to hang yourself. You know, he takes that rope and he pulls us into the darkness. In other words, have Jesus. What would Jesus do? Would he go to this movie? Would he look this up on the phone? Would he make that call? Would he eat this? Would he do that? Heed Jesus and he will stay in the light. I shared this morning, which the biggest thing, and, and a, a lot of people up there at the church up on the hill, they come just from Arizona and stuff, and they come for the summer. They don't know what winter's like. The big, big whiny babies go back, including my brother. He's watching. <laughs> he goes back home to Texas. They don't understand Minnesota winters, but if you've ever been in a Minnesota storm, stuck on a road, and you can see a yard light about a mile away, what do you feel when you can see that light? Security. There's truth. There's safety there. Man, I could die out here in this darkness. It's cold. It's horrible. It's miserable. But I see a yard light. And if I can get to that light, I can find hope. I can find help. Man, that's a feeling of security. When we come to know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, when we dump the BC, the before Christ days, and we step into the light, I tell you what, there's a feeling of joy, something that we hang on to for about uh, two weeks, and then we seem to lose that off our face. The new Christians are still fired up. They're excited for God. They're talking about all kinds of stuff. And we say, isn't that cute? They just say, what they, they just say whatever they think about Jesus. They just, isn't that cute? And then we say this horrible statement. Remember when we used to be like that? Somewhere along the line, it seems like we get out of the bright light into some light, into some light, into some light. And then we say, there's no condemnation for those in Christ Jesus. So I'm in the gray area, but I got it covered. It's not where Christ wants us to be. It's not where he wants us to be at all. He wants us to be next to him. If I could jump up that high, I'm gonna gonna leap for that light. (laughs) If I could get up near that light. Here's an interesting thing about when you get closer to the light. The closer you get to light, the more blemishes you see you have. Man, I didn't realize I got this stuff going on. The closer we get with Christ, the more he shows us what we need to work on, even more even more than we thought we did. We're still hanging on to stuff even more than we thought we were. You take your hand when you go home today, you go find a lamp, take the lampshade off, and you look at your hand, and then you bring it closer and closer. It's like, man, am I ugly? This is on me. Ah, I can't get rid of them. (laughs) I did a Bible study uh, one time. It was called Becoming Who You Are talking about transformation. That's that whole transformation process of coming out of the darkness into the gray area, out of the gray area, into the light, into the light, into the bright light of Jesus Christ. 
It's a process. But a lot of people want to hang off a little bit in the dark. It's kind of like as you come to Christ, there's kind of like, man, that's a bright light. I didn't realize all this is wrong. I didn't realize I was living that way. I didn't think that was a bad thing until I come into the brightness of Jesus Christ. Now I see the difference. 1 John 1.5 says this. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. How a little bit of darkness? Some gray areas? No. In him, God is light, and in him there's no darkness at all. No darkness at all. So when we sin, while Christ still loves us, still died for us, he can't be near us. There's no darkness in Jesus Christ. And if we're living in the dark, if we're dabbling in the darkness while he loves us, we have to st- he has to stand back from us, and we usually want to stand back from him because we can't be with him because he is light. That's why we examine ourselves before communion a lot of times. You're gonna come up and have communion with the bright light of God? Examine yourself. Are there things you need to change? Are there things you need to repent of? Are there things you need to do differently before you have communion with God? Because you can't have communion, true communion with God if you're living in darkness. The Bible says to examine ourselves. Romans 8, 7 and 8 says this. Because the carnal mind is enmity or hostile against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. It's like we hit the light switch. We turn the light switch off. We're going to live in the dark for a while. Oh, I come back to church for Sunday. Kick it on. Oh, I'm leaving church. Kick it off. Or some of you guys remember this. Clap on, clap off, clap on, clap off. Yeah, all right, I watched too much TV back in the days. (laughs) But it's true. It's true. I have a sign out at Cowboy Church right now. I just put it up two days ago, and it says something like, um, if you're going to pretend to be perfect in church, if you have to pretend to be perfect in church, it's like putting on nice clothes for an (laughs) x-ray. It's a waste of time. Because again, we come to 1 Samuel 16, 7, it says, for man does not see like the Lord. The Lord looks at the inward self, the heart of the matter. See, he turns the light on inside us and he takes a good examination. Again, we can fake it, we can fake it, we can fake it, but you're not faking anybody. See, Satan's greatest lie is that you can live in the darkness, you can live in the gray, you can live in the kind of gray, you can live in the gray, 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 or you can live in the dark kind of gray, 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 and you're fine. You're going to church, right? Go to church, I'll see you in an hour. But Christ looks at our heart, and there's no way you walk in here, change your heart for an hour, then walk out and change your heart again, and think you can live that way. Satan lies to us. He lies from the darkness. He calls you, come here. Hmm. Got to be careful, my friends. I was doing some reading the other day, and it was saying that we have God in us, and if we have God in us, we can't have the devil in us too. Because light can't reside where there's darkness, and, and the devil is enmity against God, so God can't be in the presence of Satan. Do you guys agree with that? 
So when we're accepted into Christ, when we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, we now have Christ in us. It's us that choose to step out or choose to receive from outside stimuli, things through our eyes and our ears, which the Bible says we have to watch what we put before our eyes or what we listen to, because we bring that into our sealed body. We don't have the devil sitting on one side and the, and the angel on the other like you see on TV. We don't have God, you know, this part of us is God and this part of us is the devil. We don't have that. They can't reside together. The devil's been kicked out of us when we accept Jesus Christ. Yet we do find ourselves still sinning. But if you read in the Bible when it's talking about that kind of sin, it's talking about, it says sin is lawlessness meaning we choose to live that way. We're, we've accepted that part of the sin. We want to be that, and so we go ahead and continue to do that. That is not having God in you. That's having a part of God in us. Sin is lawlessness, the Bible says. So we as Christians, we fall from time to time. We fall, we struggle sometimes with sin. But it's not this lawlessness kind of ongoing kind of thing. We don't choose, we don't allow ourselves to live in the darkness. We don't allow ourselves to, to live apart from God. We might sin, but we feel horrific about it. There's a, this, the Holy Spirit comes and, and convicts us and says, you've got to change your ways. You've got to get turned around. You've got to get back to where you need to be. You need to be back in the light. Now, I want to stop with fear. We talked about fear being scary. But fear also is a reverence for God. It's to understand that he is the king of king and the Lord of lords. That he gave his son on that cross to die for us. That he forgave us our sins even when we couldn't do anything about it. He yet forgave us our sins. If we'll just accept him into our heart, he'll give us everlasting life. That he created everything and controls everything. He, he has you know, the plans for us. He has a future for us. He knows when he will return for, this, for his chosen people. We, we understand all that, so we have a reverence for him. He has standards. He has directions for us. He has a plan A for us. We realize that, and so we have a reverent fear for him. Not a scared fear. Pastors for many, many years, I believe back in the days you hear about fire and brimstone, we got scared into something. Well, it is scary if we go against God. Who wants to be living in the darkness? Raise your hand. We know what it's like in the darkness. It's scary because he's only going to lead us to destruction. There's no good path. He doesn't give us an abundant life. It says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what's living in the darkness of this world. That's what society is living in and drawing into more and more and more and then saying, what's wrong with it? They don't see anything wrong with it because they're blind because it's dark. And here we come people of light amen Christ wants us to be lights in this world for him doesn't he so if I'm living in the darkness if I realize you know I don't even realize I'm just living in sin because society says it's just fine and here we come to say you know what here I am spiritually we say here I am and they say what how can you be that way why are you so upbeat why don't you take on the tackles of this world and feel as despairing as I do? How can you deal with the loss of a loved one like this? How, how do you handle life? Why can you be singing? Why can you be smiling? Why, why do you whistle at work for Pete's sakes? It's because we're the light. I shared this morning one of the greatest compliments you will ever, 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 ever get on this earth is if somebody comes up to you and says, you're a Christian, aren't you? 
because they'll know us by our love, by our actions. They'll see how we handle life. Some, somehow you see things differently. It's because we have the light in us. It's because we have the light in us. We're that yard light that we talked about in the storm. I'll tell you what, there's a storm out there in the world and we're that yard light. So we have a reverent fear for our God. James 4, 7 tells us three things, three things that can help us to get ourselves out of the darkness when the darkness comes. Now, this is about, what, the third day of a nice sunny, sunny roll this summer? How many of you think summer's been a little bit weird this summer? I mean, this is about the third day of summer. You know, we, we wait and wait for that. And so we realize that um, with that comes joy because we now have put some string, we've strung some days together. We actually can think about maybe we'll barbecue tonight and then maybe, uh, we should maybe think ahead, maybe we'll go boating tomorrow because it might not rain. It's great, we have these things. And so James 4 tells us that we have to be looking for things. We have to be planning for things. He says, therefore submit to God. Doom, doom, doom. One of the biggest keys for every one of us is to submit to God. I mean, submit, surrender. I surrender some, I surrender some. Is that how it goes? All. Oh, that three-letter word that I just hate. All, it's powerful. I surrender all. The bad junk, that stuff you don't want to surrender. Oh. I surrender all. So I have to submit. I have to submit to God. Then it says to resist the devil. Resist him. And it says that he must flee from us, right? If we, if we tell him to get lost, he has to flee from you. I, I just picture that. Now, remember Chuck Swindoll did that sermon, David and the Dwarf? If Satan is big in your life, if you see him as this huge monster... It's because you're allowing him to be huge. All we have to do is resist him and he has to flee. 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 Everyone say flee. flee. He has to flee from us. He has to leave us because we are light and he cannot reside here unless we invite him in. And how do we invite him in? We turn off the light and say, it's dark enough, come on in. We have to resist him though because he's going to come with all kinds of things trying to draw you out draw you out and man he knows exactly what to use he knows you well doesn't he he knows what flaw you have what weakness you have he knows when you have a crack in your armor and he comes in and attacks that way but we can resist him and he has to flee so this giant comes down to about the size of a little gnat and the little gnat sits on the chair and we pink, get out of here Satan that's how much control we have through Christ, through the strength that he gives us. That light that we have in us gives us that much power to destroy Satan completely. So if he's big in your life, it's because we're allowing him to be. I worked in the oil field, I said, and I worked with a guy, a dairy can, and the dairy can is the guy that goes up high and runs the pipes from the top, and we run the pipes on the bottom, and uh, he was he was quite a guy. He was quite a character, and he had a big old devil tattoo, and it was really faded out, and it said, the devil made me do it. And about a week before he got saved, he went and got it all redone, beautiful red. It was just beautiful. And then he got saved a week later. Quit selling drugs and all whole works. Came to know Christ very well, but he had this darn scar on it. The devil made me do it. The devil don't make us do nothing. We give him permission for everything. 
Because if we can tell him to get and he's messing with us, we're not saying get, are we? We just learned that. We're inviting darkness in. Don't invite darkness into your life, please. Darkness has to fear us. Luke 10, 19 says, Behold, I give you the authority to trample on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. We have power through God, power through Christ and the promises of such. If you read in Acts 19, 11 through 16, I'll just save, I'll save time with that, but it's talking about how Paul is saving people even through just handkerchiefs of people. He's got the power of God with him. And so the, some of the Jewish exorcists say, you know what, we're going to do that too. That sounds like a pretty cool deal. So in the name of Jesus, they were trying to drive out demons. And so they come up to a demon and they're driving him out. He, get out of here, get out of here, get out of here. And he says, Jesus Christ I know, but you I don't. And so he whooped on them and they had to leave naked and wounded. We need the power of God to be victorious in our life. We need the power of God to tell Satan to leave, that he has to flee from us because he's really looking at the face of God. I shared this morning, Rich Little, the greatest impersonator of all times. Uh, he knows about 100 people that he can do perfectly. How many older people know Rich Little better than the younger ones? Man, Johnny Carson and those guys, <laughs> you would never know it's not those guys. But they ask him, how do you do that? How can you be so good at being them? He said, I study and I study and I study them for hours and hours and hours. I learn what they do, their mannerisms, what they like, what they don't like, what's important to them, what's not. I learn everything about them I can before I can impersonate them. Christ tells us to be imitators, doesn't he? Be imitators of me. Well, how do we do that? Just poof? We study, we study, we study. We find out what he likes, what he doesn't like, what brings him joy, what doesn't bring him joy, how he wants us to live, how he wants to live, and we begin to imitate that. And we begin to be great, bright lights for him. So we can live in darkness, we can live in gray areas, but that's not where he wants us to be. He wants us to be lights in his life, but lights for those in this dark dark place. This world's getting darker every day, my friends. Darker and darker, and that's becoming normal. Our children are going to school learning darkness, and that's normal these days for them. This is Abby normal. This is not normal. To learn that we can have Christ in our life, that we can have the power of Jesus Christ living in us, that we can say no to these bad things that are taking place, this demonic stuff, these abominations that are taking place and we're celebrating it these days, there's parades about it, and all kinds of laws being changed for it and whatnot. You mean that's wrong? Yes, that's darkness. Come to the light. But it's gonna take us to bring them there. I mean, to be real good witnesses, we need to live in the light, but then bring people towards the light. They don't even know they need light. How many of us knew we needed light? But thankfully, someone said, come here, come, come here. Let me talk to you about something greater than this world. Because greater is he that's in us, right? Than he that's in the? Absolutely, the world is dark. Bow your heads and close your eyes. Heavenly Father and Holy Spirit, I pray that this spoke into people's lives would change the sermon, and I believe you wanted it changed. So Heavenly Father, there it is. I pray, Lord, that this would just plant into everybody, Lord, that you would take the little bit that I can do and you would amplify it tenfold. That we would come to realize that there is a spiritual battle taking place and oftentimes it's in the darkness. Just because we can hide our sin in darkness doesn't mean we, don't, we get away with it. Heavenly Father, it's you that sees all that we do. You know our hearts. 
And so we just exposed your lie, Satan. We just exposed your lie. Jesus Christ sees everything that we do. Now help us to live as if Jesus was standing next to us because he is. He's in us. And so Lord, help us to keep away from the dark. Help us to tell him to get, 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 that we can resist him and he has to flee. Remind us of that. So Lord, Holy Spirit, if you sense in our lives that we've got Satan that's growing in our life, that we have the right to shrink him down to nothing. Heavenly Father, I ask that you be glorified in our lives. Help us to be good lights, good witnesses for you. We ask all this in the precious name of Jesus. Amen and amen.